Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Doug Krisner. We'll get you caught up on market action in a moment. Uh, Our headline, the U.S. Treasury sanctioning some Chinese institutions and individuals for ties with ties to uh, North Korea. Now, Secretary of uh, the Treasury Stephen Mnuchin said the goal here is to maximize pressure on North Korea to abandon its weapons program. So the U.S. has cut off China Bank uh, Dandong from the U.S. financial system over its dealings with the North, as well as a Chinese shipping company. And we are also learning that a bank, uh, the Bank of Dandong, really has been accused of money laundering. With respect to the equity market, NASDAQ Composite is down about 1.7% right now, renewed selling in tech. You know, it's exactly 10 years to go today that the iPhone went on sale, but Apple stock right now is off about 1.9%. Also being hard hit, AMD shares down 5%. We have uh, HP Inc. down 2.5%, and shares in Symantec weaker by just about 3% right now. Dow Industrial Average minus 7 tenths of 1%. In the broader market, some of the banks are still trading at higher levels, even though the S&P is uh, weaker by 8 tenths of 1%. It was after the bell yesterday that uh, many of them, 30 Three of the big banks here in the states passed the Fed's stress test and were okayed to increase dividends and buy back stock. Now, helping out the banks, too, a bit of a slope to the yield curve right now. The U.S. 10-year Treasury backing up by more than four basis points in yield. We are at 2.27 percent. Rite Aid shares down about 27 percent. That's after uh, Walgreens Boost Alliance scrapped plans to take over all of Rite Aid. They will instead buy a small piece for a little more than $5 billion. WTI crude oil right now fluctuating around 45 the barrel. We're trading 44.78. Let's get back to Bloomberg Markets with Carol and Oliver. All right, got it. Doug Krisner, thank you so much. This is Bloomberg Markets brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, dedicated to bringing our clients insights and solutions to meet the challenges of a transforming world. That is the power of global connections. Merrill Lynch, Pierce Fenner and Smith Incorporated, member SIPC. This is Bloomberg. You know who's going on vacation, Oliver Rennick? Uh, me this weekend. Oh, God, it's not just about you. <laughs> just like Corey. It's like having Corey here. I'm just trying to make sure that <laughs> listeners aren't jolted out of the usual self-aggrandization. Dave Wilson, <laughs> our Bloomberg Stocks editor, uh, creator of the chart of the day. He's going away for two weeks. What will we do with that two weeks of charts uh, of the day? You'll, you'll figure it out. And, and to give credit <laughs> okay. where credit is due, Tom Keene was doing chart of the day before I was. I've just sort of taken over the mantle and hung on to it for several years now. All right. What do you and got today? before Tom Keene was? <laughs> no, the, uh, it was Tom Steele initially. Yeah, absolutely. So and of course, you know, the host of Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Television I've, and Bloomberg Radio. I've heard of him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he wears uh, bow ties. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. Uh, Also with good ties is our own Dave Wilson. What do you got for us in terms of the chart of the day today? Well, looking at what's going on with value stocks. I mean, these are the shares of companies that are relatively cheap uh, when you compare them with earnings or revenue or asset values. They did not have a great first half by comparison with the faster-growing companies. And, you know, the question is, when is their time to shine? Is it coming? And Binky Chata, the chief global strategist at Deutsche Bank, is uh, 
looking ahead and figuring it's it's going to get here soon. Uh, in his latest report, he gave three reasons to focus on value stocks right here. And one of them, he actually looked at a ratio between the S&P 500 pure value and pure growth indexes. Now, pure means you're, ta- you're picking out stocks that best fit into those categories, uh, rather than including all 500 stocks and then some, uh, which is what you get in broader growth and value indexes. And anyway, you go back to 2010, and what we've seen lately has been sort of at the low end of the range in terms of this ratio between value and growth. So in other words, prices have been coming down in relative terms. And then beyond that, well, he figures, you know, takes a look at the Citigroup U.S. Economic Surprise Index and sees how it's been falling lately and that it's at a Dave. historical low and figures we're going to get a turnaround. And the uh, economic outlook looks better for uh, value stocks from that perspective. And then beyond that, he's anticipating higher interest rates down the line, which on balance, the way he figures it, are going to help uh, when it comes to value and so that that's sort of the scenario he's laying out. If you want to know more, send me an email. I will get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. All right. I got a question for you. Is that what's happening today? Because when you look at the only groups that are surviving the solve today are financials and energy. And then I go to look at the Russell 1000 value, and guess what? Biggest weights, financials, energy, Healthcare. You've definitely got that going on. In fact, I looked at the indexes that Chada focused on just a moment ago. The S&P 500 pure value index, basically a little changed on the day, down mm-hmm. a tenth of a percent. The pure growth index down 1.4 percent. Mm. All right. You know, Dave Wilson, good stuff. I hate that you're going away, but I know you're going to come back a little bit with uh, your stock of the day a little bit later on. Let's bring in also Tom Orlick. He's our chief Asia economist with Bloomberg Intelligence, typically based in Beijing, uh, in our Bloomberg 1130 studio here in New York. Uh, Tom, you know, earlier we heard from Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin uh, talking about really trying to kind of push back in terms of North Korea, get them to, you know, stop uh, with their missiles and so on, um, and putting pressure on a Chinese bank. Talk to me a little bit more, though, about the China-North Korea-U.S. relationship on an economic and market basis? Well, it's complex, um, but it's also clear that if anyone can put the chokehold on Pyongyang, if anyone can cut off their economic lifeline, uh, it's Beijing. And we've already seen China moving pretty aggressively in that direction, in particular uh, cutting off coal imports from North Korea. Coal is North Korea's most significant export The main place they sell it to is China. A few months ago, China said, "Okay, enough is enough. We're stopping buying your coal. And if we look at the numbers, actually, China's coal purchases from North Korea have gone right down to zero in the last few months. So they really have stopped. That's what the evidence is saying. Of course, this is data from the Chinese administration. So (laughs) people are going to raise questions about it. But on its face, it looks like China are getting more serious about putting that economic pressure on Pyongyang. I wonder, uh, one of the th- questions that I heard in the press conference just now that I thought was really good, and I'm curious to get your take on this, is how we will sort of measure the the, uh, the success of economic sanctions on North Korea if they already are, you know, getting their resource through this sort of shadow channels of, uh, you, you know, shipping back and forth to China, etc. I mean, I think that's the complexity of it, right? Yeah. On the one hand, we've got the things that we can see exports of coal and such like, a little bit of manufacturing activity on the North Korean border. On the other hand, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that we can't see, Mm -hmm. and that's what's going to be impossible to track. 
An additional difficulty, uh, and here we're getting more into the realm of political science, is, well, even if you're successful on the economic sanctions, is the political outcome the one you wanted? Do you impose the sanctions and then Pyongyang does what you want? Right. Or do you impose the sanctions and Pyongyang goes further in the other direction because mm. that's just how they behave? Um, let's talk a bit too about uh, the Chinese bond market and what you're seeing because you guys, you guys have put out a bunch of research. Um, what is it uh, that you think investors need to understand about what's going on right now in the opening of the Chinese bond market? Well, I think you put your finger on it right there. The critical point is the opening of China's bond deal. market. The third biggest bond market in the world, uh, close to $10 trillion in value, until quite recently, pretty much closed off from global investors. Now open, open to sovereign wealth funds, open to central banks, open to long-term bond investors uh, from private sector as well. Um, one of the things which is attracting attention um, is the relatively high yields and the low correlation with other global markets. Ah, interesting. Hmm. And, of course, we should point out it's not just the bonds. I mean, uh, Chinese stocks traded on the mainland, the A shares, just added to uh, MSCI's Emerging Market Mm -hmm. Indexes. So you have the stock market opening up at the same time that the bond market's opening up. So it's a broader kind of capital markets move we're seeing here. Definitely. And a lot of – I think a lot of questions that – sort of bring into account how motivated China is going to be, obviously, of course, to do this, to Dave's point, the more those capital markets become open to the world. I think that that's probably an encouraging sign, right, because that has a little bit more impetus for them to get along with the rest of the world and help out the Western societies, who essentially those markets, they're bringing themselves to. Yeah, it's a big step. I think what we're seeing is a kind of a combination of excitement and caution. Excitement, because mm-hmm. this is a huge growing market opening up. Right. Caution, because we don't have huge visibility on the regulatory structure. Tom Orlick of Bloomberg Intelligence, Dave Wilson of Bloomberg News. All right, time for a check on your latest world and national news headlines. Back to Nancy Lyons in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Nancy. Thanks, Carol. The Trump administration has blacklisted the Bank of Dangdong, a small Chinese bank accused of illicit dealings with North Korea. While speaking at a White House briefing, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin says the bank financed some of North Korea's programs. This bank has served as a gateway for North Korea to access the U.S. and international financial systems, facilitating millions of dollars of transactions for companies involved in North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile programs. Mnuchin says the bank is a primary money laundering concern. South Korea's new president will spend the next two days in Washington. Moon Jae-in, a former human rights lawyer, took power last month after the previous president was ousted over corruption charges. Trump and Moon are expected to discuss North Korea during their talks. The White House says President Trump will be meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin during next week's G20 summit in Germany. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster would not say if Trump plans to address accusations that Russia interfered in the presidential election. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan is weighing in on President Trump's tweets this morning in which the president bashed the host of MSNBC's Morning Joe using terms like low IQ, crazy Mika and psycho Joe. Obviously, I don't see that as an appropriate comment. I think... Look, what we're trying to do around here is improve the tone and the civility of the debate, uh, and this obviously doesn't help do that. White House officials defend the tweet, saying the president fights fire with fire. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons.